we also want to welcome in a friend. Uh, Dr. Mary Clifton is with us, and Dr. Mary is going to be at the ArcView Investment Conference coming up this week. Dr. Mary, what are you going to be talking about? I'm going to talk about all of the new alternative and uh, plant medicines. My, my talk is titled, The One Thing You Need to Know Before You Prescribe Alternative and Medicines. That's good. I like that. And I'll be, I'll be taking good notes. I promise you that um, for sure on that. And one of the newest movements, if you will, in this country is towards the acceptance and embracing of psilocybin, the mushrooms, if you will. Um, I, the question I have, and I want everybody to, you know, kind of chime in on this opinion of mine, is I think, I think the industry is making a mistake. I, I think that we should get cannabis accepted first before we move on to another plant medicine. Um, mm. Dr. Mary, what's your feeling mm. about that? Go ahead. Oh, I feel like uh, I feel like you should do everything at once. There's there's so much powerful uh, plant and alternative medicine coming out between the cannabis and psilocybin and ketamine, and they all have a different position. You know, for many people, anxiety and depression and insomnia and chronic pain can be managed with cannabis, and for others, you know, more intense therapy needs to be used. And cannabis doesn't necessarily have a great place in alcohol addiction treatment. Uh, it, it's, I think that the high is different enough that it doesn't really suit most alcoholics, but, the, but there's a great new study looking at two uh, psilocybin treatments leading to a reduction in a severe uh, alcoholism where people are drinking more than seven to 10 drinks a day, going all the way down to one to two drinks a day after just two rounds of psilocybin treatment. So I, I think that we have to find the niches for all of these all of these products and always, always, always focus on safety and quality of the product and, and so that the consumer feels confident. Yeah, and that, that is so true. Um, I want to ask uh, Jeff and, and David about the investment community. How are they looking at uh, psilocybin as an investment? Well, you know, I was going to say, Jimmy, it's not one industry, right? So, you know, to your initial comment, what the industry, there's different competing interests. Right. right. And so not only are, uh, you know, the, the psychedelic business is going to be largely a pharma opportunity. Uh, companies were able to access the public markets earlier. There's more institutional capital in that side of the business than there is in cannabis. Um, so, so I think that they're very different. And, you know, Mary can sort of wax poetically about all of the different mental health indications that ketamine, psilocybin, um, DMT all are indicated for, not exactly the case in cannabis. Cannabis has this whole consumer market that psychedelics doesn't have. And a whole ancillary piece in the middle that psychedelics don't have. When you think of testing for cannabis, these are native industries that grew up around cannabis to support it. But on the psychedelic side, the pharma infrastructure is going to be in play. So as far as... Uh, um, for me as an investor, for what I've at least seen for some of the private funds, um, the investment in psychedelics is either on the clinical delivery side or on the drug discovery side. Hmm. Whereas in cannabis, there's really 12 different subsectors, some that had to grow up to support cannabis, certainly, and some that are you know, more consumer-facing and more sort of serving 
the business of cannabis. So they're, they're just very different, very different profiles of products and industry. David, do you uh, concur with Jeff on that? One hundred percent. It's it's um, echo everyone's comments on the panel. It, they're they're completely different channels, but what where they are, you know, where the parallels are, are that it's it's wellness, right? And it's an alternative wellness to you know some of the more traditional solutions that you know maybe for the past two three decades maybe longer we've been used to and it's more i think of an acceptance to getting back to eastern uh philosophy and instead of um you know knowing the exact dose right uh of a tylenol when every time i have a headache and that being the only way that i can solve my headache right mm -hmm. um really not even understanding what the tylenol is doing to my body and other things mm -hmm. um you know maybe there's other alternatives i can you know infuse my tea with this plant and that will help me right so i think we're as a as a culture and as a society where we've embraced plant medicine uh more and that probably uh could be contributed to you know cannabis sort of breaking the ice as a wellness um, but to Jeff's point as well, you know, when, when Sanjay Gupta came out with, with, uh, you know, weed episodes, right. One, two, and three, I think that was game changing, you know, and him coming out and apologizing and saying, you know, um, you know, we had it wrong this entire time as the medical community, there is efficacy to cannabis and, and, and profiling Charlotte, right. What that did, you know, it, it was a great service to, I think the cannabis community on a whole, and in the investment community on whole, because it brought, uh, it highlighted the the medical efficacy cannabis can have. The disservice that it did is it sort of muddled the waters a little bit between the different channels that there are in our industry and the adult use side and the pharma side really are apples and oranges. I mean, you're not going to have a pharmaceutical company um, including for the most part, right? I mean, we know what GW is doing, but they're not going to be at scale producing their cannabinoids and, and Mary probably has a Dr. Mary probably has a better uh, insight than me, but they're not going to be producing their, their cannabinoids from phytocannabinoids as much as they'll be doing so through a petri dish in a lab in three days at a fraction of the cost. But that doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that they're, you know, um, some of these major billion dollar adult use brands aren't going, you know, are, cease, are going to cease to exist and aren't going to be built. They will. Uh, as Jeff mentioned, there's a culture that's surrounding this economy uh, when it comes to adult use cannabis that a lot of these brands and entertainers and celebrities are beginning to tap into. Um, but right, that that's not going to appear on the shelf of CVS um, the same way some other cannabinoids will. And when it comes to um, uh, when it comes to psilocybin and some of the other plant medicines that we're seeing, as as Dr. Uh, Mary mentioned, there are some um, there are some areas that cannabis might not be the best for, whether it's alcoholism, schizophrenia, or some other things. When it comes to to cannabis, it's well suited for psilocybin. I have personal experience with that, especially as somebody that's coming off of uh, you know cancer and 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 everything that that not only pain ptsd anxiety all these things that come with you know being a cancer patient um i've you know benefited tremendously from plant medicines right where i didn't have to turn to 
uh, some of the opiates that the doctors, you know, just uh, kind of hand you without even really thinking about it. Uh, so yes, uh, there's there's acceptance. Uh, personally, we've we've had an exit of one of our uh, one of our companies into a a, uh, a plant wellness company uh, that is public today. That that they're they're all into psychedelics. Uh, Wisa. Uh, so we're, 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 uh, we're all for it and, um, we're excited to, to learn more, um, both from, uh, an impact standpoint, like I said, that's, that's really what we're about. We're impact investors and cannabis is the industry that we've chosen to, to do that with right now. Uh, but certainly wellness as a whole, uh, it plays a large part of that and will be meaningful and critical to come. Yeah. So, um, as, as we know, the president talked about uh, moving forward and having the health and human services director start looking into the descheduling or rescheduling uh, of cannabis. And one of the biggest fears of the industry is that big pharma is going to take control. Dr. Mary, as someone who um, has an MD, uh, you understand the role that the pharmaceutical world plays in our society. Um, is this a reality or uh, what, what would you like to see the uh, federal government come up with with a plan for the proper scheduling of cannabis? Dr. Mary, is she still with us? Oh, are you muted? Are you muted, Dr. Mary? Oh, I'm sorry. I muted myself. I've unmuted myself. <laughs> people are trying. People have been trying to mute me for generations, right, Jeff? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, um, as far as the pharmaceutical industry entering all of these, entering cannabis and psilocybin, I think, uh, I think cannabis will really has gone about it the wrong way. I mean, to start out with medical and then to go into recreational and have it legal in one state and not legal across that state line and, and so many people imprisoned for such a safe plant. I, the sooner that we can deschedule cannabis and quit trying to, when we're talking about it, talking about it being a drug like heroin or LSD or, 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 or fentanyl and start thinking about it more along the lines of, of the completely safe and effective product that it is for, for medicinal or recreational purposes. But I think that's why the psilocybin community is, a, or the, 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 the push for psilocybin is coming uh, through big pharma rather than, uh, rather than, th I mean, they're not going to go through this uh, crazy route that cannabis did. They're just going to identify the product, do the testing on it, and then launch it as a pharmaceutical. And that's a, that's a uh, stepwise pattern that's very well established and the government likes it and the FDA likes it. I mean, it's, uh, it's easier because the psilocybin is one molecule, you know, and, uh, and they've been able to take the molecule out and, and replicate it on an E. coli medium. They, uh, the, the researchers at, um, oh, doggone it. I can't remember the name of the, uh, of the, of the college where they did it, but they, but they pulled the, uh, the, the molecule and put it on a, uh, E. coli uh, bacteria so that you can multiply it very, very easily. And they get a very consistent dose that way. It's not extracted from the plant and then the extractions have different percentages. So then it can flow very much like a single molecule uh, 
uh, drug development. Whereas if you're trying to work with cannabis, you know, you've got 88 different phytonutrients in every inhalation. I mean, which one is doing what or what relationship with each of these particular things? That's something that is very difficult for the FDA to handle. They don't really understand how to handle multiple drugs in one uh, one administration. So psilocybin is really uh, well-placed to, to launch very successfully with big pharma. And, and that would be okay with me. I, I, you know, there's always going to be another, uh, another, you know, sort of underground realm for mushrooms, but there's also a lot of people who are never going to go that route, but would really benefit from it. You know, people with end stage, uh, a life, uh, a low, short life expectancy with a lot of anxiety it seems to work beautifully there. Uh, it works well with some resistant depression. So I, I, uh, it, I don't think those people are going to seek out an underground source for a mushroom and take it that way. A lot of them won't. So this opens up that product to a whole new market where we can really help people. Yeah. Was it Johns Hopkins by any chance the college? Ever I, think it, I think it was. Yeah. In Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I read a lot. I read a lot I of stuff like that. Johns Hopkins horn because my my word all they're always have you ever met a doctor from Johns Hopkins? I mean, it's like meeting a vegan. They tell you it within five minutes and over and over again. So I always, a vegan? Did I hear you just slam the whole vegan community? Come on. Well, I mean, I'm vegan most of the time. Yeah. But, so but, it's a, but it's you a know superior diet. It's a if superior diet. I just don't want to do it. Wait, they'll tell you. Yeah. When I was at Johns Hopkins, all the doctors is hilarious. So. Um, I, I do want to bring in um, Eugenio again, uh, because I want to talk to him about media. And I want to talk to him about traditional media versus cannabis media and some of the challenges that we face. And, and one of them, it actually was a perfect example of it over the last few weeks. Um, there was a, a death at a true leave manufacturing facility. Uh, I believe a worker uh, inhaled fumes and um, had an allergic reaction to it. And this became a, a story. Now, we all know that in other industries, there are, there, are, um, other there are other examples of this happening and nobody notices it. But in cannabis, when something like that happens, it does tend to take on a life of its own. How do you balance the, uh, the editorial side of things in, in your magazine and your publications? Because it is a challenge, isn't it? It absolutely is a challenge. And I think where we have been able to successfully differentiate ourselves is in the endemic space, which is all cannabis media. Uh, it's very challenging with, with such a small market. It's right. very challenging to have journalism that doesn't lean towards the marketing or the client's perspective. And uh, very often in endemic markets, not just cannabis, but in endemic markets, you'll find that a lot of the, a lot of the content being produced is very sided towards making the marketing clients look good, feel good, uh, et cetera. And you get very little true journalism. Um, now, 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of mainstream media talking about cannabis. There was only the endemic media within cannabis talking about cannabis. Now, mm -hmm. every single newspaper, website, CNN, Fox is part of their beat is talking about cannabis which makes it even more important that when Cannabis Now speaks or some of the other good cannabis platforms, we're very, very careful about if we're gonna be talking about a client who has been paying us, we market as sponsored content. And that's very clear. 
if it's something that we do not contact any monetary benefit, then that's that's true journalism and it's vetted through the, the writer and the editorial staff to make sure that it's authentic. And I've killed a lot of stories that we haven't been able to corroborate, whether it's true or accurate, and we just don't publish it. We don't we don't publish it early or first to get all of the eyeballs because we don't know if it's true and how accurate it is. Right. <laughs> that's that's a refreshing actually uh, hearing that uh, to be honest with you because uh, that that separation of church and state journalism and advertorial um, has has kind of evolved negatively in traditional media and you're right uh, when you come right out and you say hey look this is sponsored content but industry supported content is actually a wave of new media and we're starting to see that in the over-the-top television world, the connected TV world. Um, there's plenty of websites out there now that are being controlled by industry for, for content. Is that uh, something that you, you've noticed as well? It's actually been at the top of my mind for the last two years, right. uh, specifically saying to myself, how interested are individuals that love cannabis and use it on a daily basis? How, what is their threshold of appetite for cannabis-centric content? And right. I... And answering that question is the key to future cannabis media longevity. And, and I don't know the answer to that, but, but what I do know is that brands and cannabis companies, they are going to have to find out how to communicate to that consumer. And I think, it, I think it, that there is a place for cannabis industry media, but I think the larger opportunity is the in-between of how does the brand reach the consumer wherever they are. And so whether that's the marketing management company, it's the cannabis agency, it's the PR communications company, the, that in-between conduit, that's actually going to be the largest revenue driver in between the media conversation, I think, in the next 10 years. Wow. Just that's to crazy. add to your, to, to your point, um, you know, whether it's this case that you just mentioned, which, you know, it's actually really interesting. You know, I, I, as I mentioned, you know, we've been in cannabis for, for a long time. Um, and when I heard that story and read that story, um, it, it sounded very odd to me. Um, the way I understood the story is it was in their, their pre-roll packaging room and there was so much keef, right, right. That, that it blocked this person's airway when they were trying to breathe. And right. I don't believe that to be fact, right? I've never seen, I've been around a lot of Keef in my life and a lot of cannabis. There's never been a Keef storm so big that it would block someone's airway. What there has been though, constantly, whether it's a trimmer or just someone walking through the garden, depending on the type of, of, uh, of cannabinoid, terpene, flavonoid, you know, profile that's within that, uh, that, 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 uh, that cultivar, um, there, there could be an allergic reaction. Right. And right. that allergic reaction can, in very, very severe cases, and Dr. Uh, Mary might have some better insight into this as well, may cause some issues with breathing. And that may have happened. Um, and it's important for cannabis media to tell these stories as fact. Otherwise, what we end up, you know, potentially going down are more of these 
um, you know, early stories of cannabis that, you know, people are going to go crazy and, and, and just these false narratives about what happens. Um, and, and that's why it's important to have these partners that Cannabis Now works with to get the facts behind these stories when they do happen. And Cannabis Now and one of our other portfolio companies, uh, SC Labs, actually ended up playing a very meaningful and critical um, part in that uh, Ebola crisis, right? When people were were showing up at hospitals because they were consuming these vape pens that they were dying from, right? And it became this massive story and then very quickly was shut down uh, when, when labs like SC Labs were saying, wait a second, no, 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 no. We've tested it. That's not what's going on. There's millions of product that has hit market and it's fine. Uh, we've tested this and this is what's in it. And this is where it's coming from. And then cannabis now gets to tell that story and other media outlets get to tell that story uh, and quickly shut down that narrative. Mm-hmm. I think that's what is so meaningful and critical um, uh, in today's uh, culture of, of, you know, e- e- uh, cancel culture. And, you know, we hear right. stories like that. It, it can be dangerous. So right. um, immediately when I heard that story, I said, wait, I got to figure out what this is. And when I saw that, I said, come on, you know, there could be allergies and it's important because people with certain allergies may not want to work uh, directly with the plant in the industry. And right. there are ways to figure that out pretty quickly. Right. So, right. Yeah, you know, it's funny is that there's a grower in Massachusetts at Cellular Therapeutics. He, he comes from the triangle, the Emerald Triangle, mm-hmm. and he's allergic to THC. And he's the head grower yeah. at this dispensary. Yeah. And I've always found that fascinating. But Dr. Mary, you know this. I know this because I see a ton of commercials. Whenever they have the disclaimers at the end of the big pharma commercials, you know, don't take this if you're allergic to Soterra or whatever it is. How do you find out if you're going to be allergic to something until you take it? <laughs> until you take it. Well, I think the key takeaway of this story of this person that died because of an exposure to cannabis, whether it was an inhalational uh, and they just simply couldn't oxygenate because they, they their lungs were too full of other things. If it was that or if it was an allergic reaction or if it was just an unfortunate event because people sometimes have heart attacks, you know, in the middle of doing their job. So who knows exactly what took this person out? But the important thing is that is only the second person in the history of the world to have died from cannabis exposure, you know, if it in fact was. And the first one was a uh, was a, a, a mule who had a big bale of cannabis improperly tied uh, behind him in the truck. And then when he had to stop fast, the bale rolled onto him and killed him. So we're, I mean, we are talking about an incredibly safe plant. So no, no reason to blow up this uh, unfortunate event that happened this week at that facility. There you go. Well, uh, Dr. Mary Clifton, as always, uh, you're awesome to talk with and and be friends with. And I look forward to seeing you at the ArcView event uh, this weekend in New York City. Uh, Jeff, you want to have the final word about, uh, you know, your big sales pitch, if you will, if people haven't signed up, they can still register. Am I right? Yep, so registration is still open. Um, there's a lot to see. We've got a lot of investors coming. So we thought long and hard about what we wanted to accomplish with this event. Um, you know, after doing 45 of them in the past and having a two and a half year hiatus, wanted to make sure we got it right. So we're going to focus on and honor the community that built ArcView, but we want to extend it. We want to focus on nuanced content. We want it to be content you haven't heard before. We want to focus on entrepreneurs, investors, 
and operators. And then finally, we want to sort of honor and support diversity, inclusion, and erasing the horrendous war on drugs. You'll see that evidence throughout our panels and our speakers. And we think it's going to be a great event. And anybody uh, who wants to come, just go to arcviewgroup.com, go to events and look for the link, sign up, and we would love to see you. Live in NYC. That's the big thing that uh, comes up on the ArcView uh, website. So yes, thank you. Live in NYC. That's right. And uh, and Jeff Finkel, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I know you made the effort and and all you people, uh, all the others on this panel, including Dr. Mary and, and Josh, you were tremendous over the last 30 minutes, I just want to say. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, you know how I feel about you. So thank you for helping us book a lot of these guests. And that's not lost on me either. Yeah. So uh, for everybody on the pro cannabis media team and all our guests on Green Rush Live this afternoon that we do really live every Friday at 4 p.m. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly and take, please don't go anywhere because our news is coming up next. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.